I like Peter Sellers. Yeah. Yeah. I like so. And there was. Did you a, ever see the party? Yes. With Goldie Hawn, is it? No, no. no that, he, he's a he's a, a, a Indian. An, an Indian at like a big time uh, from Hollywood India. producers party yeah. in like and and it's filmed in like '67 or '68. It's at the time, but it's same thing. He's just bumbling throughout, like messing up the controls to the fountain and it overflows. Yeah, he just screws up the whole yeah, house. <laughs> Which is the one he's in with Goldie Hawn? I don't know that. One. Yeah, he's. Jeez. Uh, but the uh, the party is good. <laughs> and he does the whole, you know, the accent the whole time. I am so sorry, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, Don, will you do me a favor while we're recording here? Will you do a countdown? I could. Okay, Eric, that way I can get... Sorry. I don't have Gordon speaking at all. You want to do a guest countdown? What does that mean? Five, four, three, two. Just count down from five. Five, four, three, two, one. Look at them, madam. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Oh. This is the gentle art of philately, otherwise known as stamp collecting. Here's a pile of stamps carefully culled from swap meets and garage sales. What are you thinking of? Oh, I was just thinking of all the years I've wasted collecting stamps. Oh, like stamp collecting. Oh, that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yeah, but it's not enough. Live from Studio C in the glorious The Helms Deep Sound Studios in Southern Rohan, this is Stamp Show here today, episode number 132. Hi, I'm Cash. A computer beat me at chess, but it was no match in kickboxing. <laughs> this is Scott. And this is Tom. Well, this day in history, in 1918, the RMS Carpathia, the ship that rescued 705 survivors from the Titanic, was sunk off the coast of Ireland by the German, and five lives were lost. For those unaware, 100 years ago, World War I was all the rage. Also in 1938, Douglas Corrigan took off from Brooklyn to fly the wrong way to Ireland and becomes known as Wrong Way Corrigan. How do you fly the wrong way to Ireland? You get lost and can't read a compass. I actually had a cover that was signed by Wrong Way Corrigan. I sold it on eBay for about 40 bucks. No, oh, cool. Yeah. This is really misinformation. I mean, where did he take off from? Oh, it says from Brooklyn. Never mind. I'm a dead idiot. <laughs> I mean, when did he realize he was going the wrong way? It's like you take off from Brooklyn, you fly 100 miles, and you're still not over any ocean. You go, Well, when uh, you realize <laughs> the ocean's on your left instead of on your right. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> but the biggie in history, this day in 1955, Disneyland is dedicated and opened by Walt Disney in Anaheim, California, starting Disney pin trading. Yeah, not so much <laughs> on the 55th in, on the first day. When, when did uh, pin trading start? When, when I got into it, which was, holy cow, about 2011-ish, I guess. Oh, so it's re very uh, recent. It was about it was celebrating its 10-year anniversary. Oh, okay. So about 2000? It was, it was unofficial. Disney's had pins for a since, lot since of 90, years. Since, since the early 90s, I think. At least. It, it, it grew out of, I think, the hotbed of Olympic pins back in the day. 
when you saw the Olympic pins becoming a big deal um, at the Olympic Games. And I think Disney kind of, they had pins, but it wasn't really a big thing. I think that's what really kicked it off. I think they saw the market probably in Olympic pins, and they said, wow, this is a good idea. So 86, then they said, hey, let's do this. When did they come out with Hidden Mickeys? Oh, geez, I don't know. I think that's when they officially started pin trading, hmm. which would have been, I guess, about, it would probably be around 2000. But I'd have to look up and see when the first ones came out to actually know. So I have to ask, what's a Hidden Mickey? Hidden Mickeys are sets of pins that the park comes out with every year. They're the free pins that the cast members get to put on lanyards to trade with guests. And um, they could be any number of style or type of pin or design, but what they all have in common is they have a little tiny silver Mickey head on them somewhere. And, you know, they'll come out, they'd come out with um, four to ten different sets per year. And those would be, you know, the collectors, you know, it, that was the fun thing to search for in the parks is to go to the park and go up to all the cast members and look at their lanyards and try and complete a set. Mm. Um, the first set I ever really strove hard to complete was probably one of the hardest is it was the second time they came out with an alphabet. So there were 26 pins with a character for each letter of the alphabet. Oh, interesting. And the reason this is in the news is the United States is coming out with a set of Disney topical stamps that only have the villains. That is awesome. So they've they've had Mickey and they've had Pluto and everything like that. Now they're coming out with the others. They always stuck kind of, mostly they always stuck with the Fab Five. Yeah. But they have Minificent. Maleficent. Maleficent. And Cruella DeVille, who I have a problem with. She isn't an evil villain. She's just evil. No, she's not even evil. She's greedy. No, she's not even. Cruella DeVille isn't a villain. Roger and Anita who are the other guys, are just uh, irresponsible. And in comparison, she looks mean-spirited, but they just have... uh, Anita and Roger, who are the other guys who are raising the Dalmatians, they can't afford anything. They bring up many times they can't afford what's going on. And Cruella DeVille, who, you know, has cruel and devil in her name, uh, she just gets a total bad rap in this. Also, Anita and Corella Deville, and I love 101 Dalmatians, but this has always had a problem. They're schoolmates, yet Corella Deville looks like she's about a hundred years older. That's not right. That's what happens when you smoke. <sighs> also, it doesn't take 101 dogs to make a coat. It takes about 18. But she wasn't making a coat out of dogs. She was making it out of puppies. Puppies are smaller, therefore you need more. Uh, okay. But and anyway. killing puppies for a coat, therefore evil. Well, you kill rabbits for a coat. I don't. Well, people do. You, you will acknowledge that rabbits are killed to make rabbit skin coats. Yes, but Hassenpfeffer. And like, uh, you know, 
2,000 years ago, we were all wearing, you know, some sort of animal skin. Speak for yourself. <laughs> anyway, Corella, in my opinion, she's a hardworking businesswoman who started a successful company and through hard work and long hours has become rich. Anita and Roger are poor, struggling songwriters. Cruella gets no credit whatsoever for working her way up in the movie. They just center on her desire to make, you know, puppy clothes. This That's why is, she's universally hated. She's a one percenter. This is basic economics, folks. Basic economics. One percenter. So who, uh, uh, oh, um, who's the... Uh, the witch in um, Ursula, Ursula, and Gaston, who I have a problem with too, of him being a villain, Scar, and uh, Scar. That's from The Lion King, right? Yep. He murdered Simba's dad. No, no, no. How I, was that not evil? No, Scar, Scar, Scar is a bad guy. Not a problem. Oh, you said Gaston. Gaston, I have a problem with him being a villain. Because he wants to throw an innocent man into an insane asylum so that he can steal his daughter and force his daughter to marry him in order to get him released. That's not evil. It's, it's mi- certainly ill-intentioned, if nothing else. It's, uh, <laughs> okay, hold on here. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, back out of this one, come on. No, you know who's not on a stamp here who deserves to be on a stamp? You? No. <laughs> Judge Frollo. He's from uh, Quasimodo. This is, this is the first set. There's only 10 stamps in this set. Yeah, but this guy is the most villainous, vil- evil villain there is. Yeah. But he's not as popular. They're getting the they're getting the popular ones out there first. He killed... So let's make two sets he, of stamps. One's popular and the other one's just a flop. Okay, so Gaston, you know, he wants to manipulate his way into marrying some girl. Frollo kills a woman on the steps of a church while she's pleading for sanctuary. Well, we're not we're not rating them by how evil they are. We're rating them by how popular they are in the Disney lexicon. Uh, and then they have the the fox from uh, Pinocchio. That's a stretch. That's that's a bit of a stretch. That's because it's Pinocchio. Yeah. That's the only reason I think he's in there. Who's the lady next to him? Which one? The evil queen? No, I know who the evil queen is. Cinder- oh, Cinderella. Lady Tremaine, that's Cinderella's stepmom. Oh, well, stepmoms get a terrible rap from uh, Disney anyway. So don't be a stepmom. You might end up on a stamp. If I you, like my stepmom. Thank you very much. If you're a mom, you have like a 75% chance of dying in a Disney movie. If you're it, a dad, I think, you have I think it's well north of 75 <laughs> I was watching Guardians of the Galaxy. The beginning, the dude, the kid's mother dies of, uh, Star-Lord's mom dies of cancer. I said, yep, Disney bought Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> yep, so, yeah, you, well, I mean, mom, there's no moms here, but the evil stepmother, you know, there's... But again, Cinderella, they're getting the first movies out of the way. The more popular movies. They're getting, the, they're getting their most popular... And their first early movies, I think, with this. Because Cinderella, you know, um, I don't know his name, the fox from Pinocchio. Yeah. But Queen of Hearts, Captain Hook are also there. Beauty Um, and the Beast, which was, what, in the 1930s? (laughs) Well, they have just gone there. I said they're popular (laughs) ones. Their three probably most popular films by far right now are on there, which is Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and The Lion King. 
That was like the trifecta of the late 80s, early 90s, I think it was, of Disney musicals. And then they have Peter Pan, they have Captain Hook, who I like the fact just that he's a pirate on a stamp. And then the Queen of Hearts. Yeah, from Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, you know, they, they, could, they could have some more villainous villains. They could. Uh, anyway, uh, how about other uh, topicals? Does anybody have anything about uh, other countries' stamps of Disney? I remember the old Grenada sheets and stuff like that. Well, not just Grenada, Disney. There are a lot, a lot of Disney topicals out there. And mostly you see them in short sets. When you see the, the uh, higher-valued stuff in the souvenir sheets, that's when there's a little bit more value mm. in them. But most, most of the short sets are just... Wallpaper. Well, back to our topic real quick here. Um, just so the people who may actually be interested, these stamps were just released uh, last weekend, July 15th. Oh. Available at your local post office or the... Uh, Sounds to me like I have to go the online and order some stamps. Sunset. Sunset Post Office has a philatelic center. Oh. Uh, do they have the uh, moon stamps? Because I have not seen trip. the post office... Road trip. I went to the one to pick up my mail since we still don't have keys a month later, almost, to our mailbox. Mm -hmm. I went with Chris this weekend to pick up our mail at the window, I think, on Saturday. And they said they were out of they they were they said they were out of the eclipse stamps like within the the first month of them being out. Uh, Yeah. But um, I was asking her for stuff because I I mentioned before that uh, Chris wants to start doing a thing with uh, pen pals Mm -hmm. now that we're not you know within shouting distance of most of our friends and uh i said well if you're going to do that we should get at least some interesting stamps so that you were not you know um just getting the the basic stuff you find at the gro- you get at the grocery store understandable so we went and we got um the only things they had that were really left of interest of interest there were the I got a pane of the Star Trek stamps. Ugly. I know, but one of my friends is a Star Trek fan, so okay. she'll be writing his girlfriend, and he'll probably dig him anyway. <laughs> um, I got one of the uh, Battle of New Orleans. 18, oh, those are like. 1812. Yeah, those yeah. are cool. And I got one more, and I can't for the life remember which one I got. It was uh, Mexican food. No, I passed on that. <laughs> Colorful celebrations. No, I passed on that too. <laughs> no, they didn't have colorful celebrations. Oh, thank they God. They had the cherry tree one, the like the Washington DC ones. I didn't I just don't like those that much. Yeah. I got another one that's interesting, but it's not one of the most recent ones. Yep. But I asked them about like the national parks and the sharks because I thought, you know, I may as well if I was gonna do it, I was pick up a set of the sharks for Aileen. Yep. But um, she said they didn't have everything there and she told me go over to Sunset because they have a philatelic center at Sunset. We got a road right. trip. Yeah. Yep. It's the one right off the exit. It's right across the street when you only get off in the morning. Yep. Have to stop in there tomorrow. I did not know there was a philatelic center there. That's uh, the right next I think to the McCarran lady, I think the lady, yeah, right next to McCarran Airport, right at the uh, 215 exit on Sunset at Paradise, basically. It dumps you off right there. You're, I mean, you're right in front of it. Yeah. We get mail and email. So summon the answer squad. From Anonymous, and you will see why as I read. I've been a longtime listener and have posted on your Facebook page and sent emails to you in the past. 
I just listened to your latest episode on modern forever counterfeits and I have quite a bit of insight to provide you. First of all, a little background. My stamp company is the largest retailer of discount postage and forever stamps in the United States. We account for 10% of all postage sales on eBay per month. Our acquisition of our postage is a bit proprietary, but I can say we acquire our postage from leftover mailings of regular Joes and businesses from all over the country. From time to time, we do get counterfeit postage, sometimes in mass quantities, say over $10,000. We've had everything from vintage roses to red, to red, white hearts to star spangled. And now there is some concern over the new 2017 U.S. flags. We do keep samples of the counterfeits on hand and are, are available for sale as collectible counterfeits and not as postage. Over the past seven years, we have worked side by side with the postal inspector's office reporting reporting the counterfeits and helping with their investigations. I'm aware of at least four criminals we've helped nab, and and we have helped break up counterfeit rings by letting them know they have been reported to the authorities. That being said, as you mentioned in your podcast, it is correct that the USPIs do not find counterfeit postage to be a big concern of theirs. In fact, the people that we have helped bring to justice were not because of counterfeits, but because of theft and fencing of postage. We do send reports of counterfeiters to our contacts at the USPI offices, but they never reply with any further questions. I have a long list of eBayers that sell counterfeits, and I typically scare them off by telling them they've been reported. Then I'll see new ones pop up taking their place. I've bought product from them, confirmed the counterfeits, and reported them to the inspectors. However, it is eBay's policy that we return the counterfeits to the sender if we want to get a refund. I've mentioned this to the inspector's office and said I'd be willing to hold on to the product for them if they can make sure eBay provides me a refund and they've told me just to send them back to the seller. (laughs) We have a deep concern about modern counterfeits because they drive down our pricing on authentic postage. So we do everything we can to help stop it from happening. I'm not sure why it's not a priority for them to investigate and stop but it seems that it's too small of a concern for them. They only contact us when they are investigating postage theft. I should also note that we have unknowingly and mistakenly sold counterfeits in the past, and if, when that however does occur, we accept and ret- we accept a return and refund 100%. Signed, a dedicated podcast listener. Well, <clears throat> I emailed him back and said thanks for the update, and uh, again, I want to thank him very much for the update and for his efforts and uh and confirming our suspicions yeah yes well that is interesting too because he's if he's in the business of selling discount postage in large quantities which you know there's nothing wrong there's nothing wrong with discount postage it's a way to get rid of old postage you know and and a lot of dealers when when somebody comes in and they've got a stack of sheets that they don't want to do with because grandma decided to collect them from the post office yeah I mean, they invariably end up selling at something less than face value. We see this all the time. You know, there are a couple stamps that are worth more than their face value, but the majority of them are worth less than their face value. Right. And if you, you know, need to sell it, there has to be a wholesaler. But it is interesting because if you're acquiring your supply of stamps from legitimate collecting, you know, holdouts and then you have to compete with people who literally are printing it 
Yeah. That's going to really affect your business in a bad way. Not, I mean, the post office is losing money, but here this guy all of a sudden has his business threatened. Right, because now he can't, he can't offer the same as what they can print it for. Yeah, he says, you know, I'll sell, I'll sell you 80%. And they say, well, this guy over here is selling 40%. And they go, well, it's fake. And they go, well, the post office doesn't care. You know, that's a recipe for disaster. Absolutely. No, I agree 100% on that. It's, you know, like I said, it's like we discussed with Disney, the Disney pins. You know, yeah. you go up to the cast members and it's like, wow, their lanyards are littered with counterfeits. And it's because people are told... Well, if you're going to go and you want to do pin trading, something fun for the kids, go to eBay and buy 100 pins for 10 bucks. Yeah. Don't go to Disneyland and buy the starter booster pack where you get eight pins for 12. And it comes with a lanyard. Yeah. You know, don't pay retail, buy them on eBay. You know, and every, every site used to say that pretty much exact wording yeah. is, you know, if you're going to go, here's... Hints for traveling to Disneyland. Don't buy your pins there. Buy them on eBay. And buy the bulk lots. (laughs) And, you know, it's misinformation that's leading people to buy counterfeits. But if people like Disney are only going after the people who are importing 500 pounds of them at a time, you know, they just don't, it's just not a concern for them because they don't want to ruin the kids' fun. You know, and we've we've seen what happens with stamp collecting. We have a perfect example of the Roman states. Roman states is an interest. I love collecting the Roman states, but there were three issues. There was the early issue, then uh, an Im- second issue that was imperforated, and then the third issue, which was the same issue but perforated. The last two were counterfeited heavily, like. If you find a stamp from theirs, it's like a 99% chance it's a counterfeit. Well, they were reprinted, too. Well, reprinted, they use the same plates. I, I, you know, I, I'm not differentiating between reprint, reprinting and counterfeiting or whatever. They're faked. And they were faked in such abundance that the first issue, that only the two high values were counterfeited of the first issue. The first issue is valueless also. As rare as it is, as great as it is, it sells for heavy-duty discounts because everybody thinks that the whole thing is counterfeit. So the bad apples of the second and third issue are destroying the value of the first issue. Well, it's the same. It's the same thing with U.S. coils. That's what the second it, thing I was it, going to bring up. It's it's yeah. You know, they get a bad rap because there's so many fakes out there that no. A lot of people can't tell the difference, and so they say, well, just I'm not going to pay that much for them. Yeah. How, how often do we see a collection for sale? And they catalog everything, and then they just put a check mark on the coils, the pages with the coils on them. They go, yeah. we didn't bother to catalog those. Right. And because the, you know, the dealer has to make sure that he's not going to lose on an investment because that's his livelihood. Mm. And so you know, because there are so many fakes out there, he really has to not account for those when he's figuring a value of a collection. Oh, and He just has to figure yeah. they're fake. And, and it's worse than that because you'll sell a stamp. You, you, you might pay zero for it because it's a coil. Let's make pretend so you... That's why you get coils certified. Yeah, but let's make pretend it's zero. So 
you get the stamp for zero. You sell it, it has a $100 catalog value, sell it for $25. They send it in and get a cert, show it's fake, the cert costs $30, you've lost $5 on a stamp that you didn't pay anything for. I mean, it's just, do you're doomed to failure unless you buy them certified or buy them in some sort of way where you know that they're real. Absolutely. Same thing with, uh, like I said, same thing with Roman states. But there's a couple other ones that are the same. German uh, used issues. They're so, the fake cancels are so prolific and they have books on them. You know, this cancel is fake. And you, you'll you have, you know, 150 cancels from one guy. Yeah. Well, you can't go through 150. You have to get the book. Then, you know, they strike the cancel so that you can't really tell everything about it. It's got to be sock on the nose. And then you got to go through and search this book for the cancels. It's very difficult. And that's driving down the value a German used. I think it's rough because... With the modern counterfeits, the post office keeps saying, we're losing money, we're losing money, we're losing money. <laughs> yeah. It's like if you're losing so much money, you think you'd have a vested interest in stopping the counterfeits. Well, it didn't used to be like that. I mean, uh, there's a great book by H.K. Petchel, who used to be a postal inspector. And um, he writes about a lot of the early cases, turn of the 20th century, uh, where they went out and they investigated and how these things, what really happened, how these counterfeits came about and how they were caught and all of that. It's, it's kind of interesting read. Uh, his first book's called Spurious Stamps, and I can't recall off the top of my head what the second book's called. But um, it's just a kind of interesting reader read if you're interested in the counterfeiting of, of U.S. postage stamps and, oh, yeah. and the early stuff. Yep. Well, it's funny because you think it almost seems like in the early days they cared more because they were doing things like experimenting with things like the grills and stuff like that to well, but, but prevent at least cancel washing and reuse. They, they treated stamps at that time as accountable paper or basically paper money, which is really what they are. I mean, they're. I mean, you can. Well, I'm turning. They have I, value it, and you can trade them. But the postal service now says no, no, we we, we don't need to account for that. They're not accountable paper. Which is really not true. They doesn't really make are. sense considering I have to pay money to put one on a letter to mail it. Absolutely, it, they that, and the way they account for things at the post office. If your drawer is short money or short stamps, oh, and yeah. you're a postal clerk, that's a big deal. This is accountable paper, yeah. and yet they've come out and specifically said it's not accountable paper. Which doesn't make any sense. Except when it is. Except when yeah. it is. <laughs> well, that's why they changed the uh, parcel post stamps. They got rid of parcel post stamps. They were all the same color and hard to account for. And now, you know, $10,000 worth. I, I mean, it, he said that $10,000 worth of fake stamps crossed his path. How can that not no, be no, worth some, sometimes, going after? But, that was, but the way that was written in his email... That's sometimes getting 10000 in one shot. Yeah. And you know that person has more. It's not like, oh, I printed 10000 Here's my entire inventory. It's like, no, he printed more. Yeah. Just keep the print, printer going. But it could also be the guy he sold them to, too. Yeah. yeah. From time to time, we do get counterfeit postage, sometimes in mass quantities, say over $10,000. Yep. 
So yeah, I do want to contact him though because I do kind of want to get some of the counterfeits. Yeah, donate them to the PSE reference collection. Yeah. Are we petering out or You're, ending abruptly? You go from here to discussing charismatic megafauna, which I think we did last week. We did last week, so I guess it is uh, abrupt ending. Short and sweet. Okay. Short and sweet. Counterfeits part two. <laughs> Near sheets. Yeah. I gotta have the Lucy stuff. Oh. I love Lucy. Oh, there you go. Yes, yes, I got it. So, see. Oh, oh man, God. I'm glad oh, you went God. through these. I'm glad because I was gonna blow this off. So, last May we went to the Big Stamp Show in New York City, and after that we rented a car and we drove to Niagara Falls to meet his brother from Chicago. While we were there, I said, you know what? I think that Jamestown, New York is pretty close to here. I'm going to take the car and go back into the United States. And of course, my husband says, you're not going back into the United States by yourself. I said, yeah, I got my passport and my driver's license. I'm going by myself. I used to do social work for L.A. County. Believe me, there's nothing that could happen to me between Niagara Falls and Jamestown that I can't handle. So I went to Jamestown because that's where Lucille Ball was born, and they have the Lucy Museum. Oh my God! I was in tears through the whole thing. It was so exciting to see the exact. They had the furniture that she had in her apartment when she when she was on I Love Lucy. Oh my God! It was the most fabulous thing, and all my pictures got erased on my phone when I got it. Oh! I'm just so upset. Oh, this is when she gets the chicks. Oh, God, this is amazing. They move out to Connecticut, and she buys all these little chicks, and the chicks get out of the boxes, and they're everywhere in the house. The eggs. Oh, God, that's so funny. Hiding the eggs. Oh, God. The Mockingbird mystery. I remember when that happens. And the book flies out of her hands. That is a crack up. Oh, here, she's trying to she's trying to do imprinting with the chicks to get them to follow her back into the city before Ricky comes home. Oh, I've got to have this. <laughs> it was so funny. Oh, you're going to find it. There's other, there's other oh. Lucy stuff in here, oh, yeah. too, okay. so you're going to have fun. i got to have that. I did sell 25 of my books. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're, introduce yourself and tell them that you're a cartoonist. Me? Me? I'm so no, shy. No, the other guy. Go ahead, Tom. No, 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 not you. All right. Well, is this on now? Well, in that case, Tom Hontos, I'm the creator of CartoonsForGoons.com. Is this visually, or is it just... Audio. It's called a microphone. All right. Listen to this. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I'm a stamp collector, but I'm a cartoonist. Like I said, cartoonsforgoons.com, although stamp collecting is not so much, it's not so funny. You can make a living doing it. You get smart collecting stamps, and chicks really like guys who are stamp collectors. It's the new in thing, so there you go. Have you ever, have you made any cartoons for stamp collectors? No. No? Really? None at all. You haven't found anything funny about stamp collectors? It's melancholy, it's somber, there's nothing to joke about. would be fun if they could hear us like make a deal on like we you buying this lot for me and they can I could narrate that you're gonna get such a deal all NH souvenir sheets what is steel I've got a better idea <laughs> oh look at this see I've got that one ah 
So Tom, how do you make how do you make money in stamp collecting? I wish someone would tell me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you buy stamps really cheap, you know, while being ethical when you make an offer, and then uh, you try to buy stuff that you have customers lined up for ahead of time. That makes it easier to get rid of your. You know, to actually recoup your initial costs, then you can take your time putting the rest of the stuff in inventory because it'll take up to 30 years to sell some stamps. Like, that's just how it is. 30 years? You sold out your inventory, though. You didn't have it for 30 years. No, no. Well, I'm just thinking in theory. If I still had some of those stamps, I would still have them. They still would not sell unless they were forced sale as part of a big deal. So what were some of your big scores then? I've had too many to count. Well, see? Although if I did have to count, it'd probably be three. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the uh, interesting thing people like to hear about is, you know, it's always great to say buy low, sell high. Yeah. But how do you actually do that? How does that actually occur? Uh, you can get some good deals from other stamp dealers, buy excess inventory. If they don't have the same customers you do, you can get some deals there. Uh, otherwise, I would advertise. I would check the LA. What, what do you do? Do you advertise? I know you don't. I used to. Like some of my best, my best deals ever, I put ads in the LA Times. just wanted to buy stamp collections. I just randomly get some calls once in a while. It doesn't always pay off, but when it does, more than makes up for the flops. So you got to be lucky, though. You got to be lucky, and you really got to be able to recognize the deal when you see it, because you can find stamp collections in antique stores, pawn shops, uh, go to swap meets, garage sales. The best thing is really get an idea ahead of time, so you can recognize the deal, because it come up. You know, really quickly, you don't have time to sit there and catalog everything and look things up. You need to know right there on the spot. Yep, that is true. That is true. Well, why don't you tell people who you are so that they can uh, come by and see you at a stamp shop? Other than That's your, a good question. Other who than am your, I? I mean, really, your, who well, am I? You do cartoons for goons. I do cartoons for goons.com and... Uh, but your stamp sales are at here at the Anaheim Stamp Show. You go oh yeah, like today show. I've been here for a few hours and I've made about 300 bucks. That's like about $150 an hour in sales. And I'm sitting here talking to nice people about stamps, selling my cartoon books. It's air conditioned. Which is a biggie. <laughs> it is. It's very comfortable in here. Well, that's great. Any last-minute little things you want to tell people? I would just say it's a fun hobby, and their kids should start collecting. If that's all I have to say. He plugged his cartoons, and he said that we should come over here and ask you, how do you make money in stamp collecting? Stamp collecting? Yep. It's like 100 even. That's how. Just ask people for money, they pay you, and uh, that's all there is to it. But it's, it's a hard way to make easy money, I'll tell you. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it is.
Why was Tom saying that there is a right way to make money in the stamp business? No, I was just, I just spoke with your, I just spoke with your brother, Mm -hmm. and he, you know, basically said to buy low, sell high, which everybody does. Right, but you have to buy very selectively too. People have a lot of things for sale that aren't. There's no market for. So even if you think you're buying it cheap, you might be getting buried. You end up with a house full of stamps and no money. Yeah. yeah. So what's, for you, what's good and what's soft? Uh, what's good? Uh, you know, good quality U.S., British Commonwealth, I do well with those. Uh, the soft things, probably things that are off quality and not really rare. I think that the bottom fell out of that a little bit, but uh, you know the percentage you get for that sort of material just isn't as strong as it used to be. Oh, I think that happened when eBay came in. That's true, yeah, because everybody's got a stamp collection, and they, uh, the quality might not be what the, the new collectors are looking for. So. Yep. Well, what kind of advice did Tom have for selling a lot of stamps and making a living? Well, actually, he talked about um, a witch's house. In your criminal record. (laughs) Now, how did that get into the stamp (laughs) conversation? (laughs) Why don't you tell everybody about the witch's house? The witch's house. Well, when we were children walking to kindergarten, I remember people said that this house on a corner that was dilapidated and had trees overgrowing the all the courtyard uh, that a witch lived there. So, you know, I decided to take it on myself to, to break out the windows of her house <laughs> with rocks. <laughs> Before I got a block, the police pulled up and, and escorted me home. Ah, so your criminal <laughs> record. That's all I got caught for. <laughs> <laughs> so back to stamps. Um, you said that uh, like good quality sells well, poor I, quality sells bad. It doesn't sell as well. It, the price goes down. You can always sell something if you're almost giving it away. But with the U.S. stamps, I would recommend people to get the best quality they can for the money because the prices are going up. And the really, really good material you're competing against the biggest wallets in the country and money is no object so that's a good place to be if you're going to be either dealing or collecting that is a good one if you can get into that market well yeah that's the the key thing is there's not much of that material out there so the dealers are very competitive in going after it and uh, where do you get where do you get your inventory from i get my inventory combination of uh, maybe 10% from general collectors walking in, uh, offering to sell me things, uh, maybe a third from auction, and the rest from other dealers. So dealer to dealer is a... Dealer to dealer for me is probably the number one method. Uh, other dealers do it almost exclusively from the general public, but to do that and buy good quality things, you have to have a lot of liquid funds uh, available. Yeah, I know. Talking a hit half million dollars, maybe, or more. That sort of range. Well, I see, like, Mystic ads and Ed Younger ads and stuff like that. People who really go after the street collector 
Right. And I know they do good money, but... And Gary Posner? Gary Posner does. <laughs> he does a lot of advertising. Yep. yep. Yeah, I mean, but most of the dealers don't have a $50,000 a month advertising budget. That's true. It's just not practical. Yep. Yeah, most of the stamp dealers probably don't do that much in sales in a month, so you do what you can. Well, you sell at, obviously we're here at the stamp show, you sell at stamp shows. Correct. And you also sell online. I sell online. I use eBay and HipStamp as my, my two main outlets. And you also had your own website. Do you still have that? No, I don't have that anymore. It's You can only do so much. I'm... I'm uh, sole proprietor, and I have limited time, so that's plenty. It's hard to keep up. So does your criminal record interfere in your uh, stamp buying oh, at all? <laughs> What's with the criminal? You keep dwelling on that. <laughs> it's cash. My, my advice to people it's out your there brother. is never get caught. Your, your, brother, your brother brought it up, and I remember that there was a witch's house in my neighborhood. Did you break out her windows as well? No, but we avoided it. And then after they tore down that house, there was another witch's house. Okay. So I guess every neighborhood needs a witch's house. It was one of mine. Yep. Well, the sad thing was, is after it was all done, they brought me over to apologize to the witch. And it turned out she was the sweetest little lady I've ever met. And I felt terrible. So, you know, in retrospect, I should have never done it. But uh, uh, I think my brother was egging me on. So uh, I hold him responsible. That's it. That's it. Well, any last minute things? Why don't you give a plug to your business? Oh, yeah. I'm uh, Ocean View Stamp Company. I'm based in Huntington Beach, California. I deal in good quality United States stamps and also the British Commonwealth. And I've dealt with uh, Bill here for a very, very long time, so, uh, so you should also. Well, thank you for that, and uh, I do use the PSE on a regular basis. <laughs> okay, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us. This has been Cash, Scott, Tom, and I'm your host, Dawn. Continue the conversation at Stamp Show Here Today on Facebook. You can ask us questions, see pictures of the stamps, make comments, and add to the conversation on Facebook. You can also ask the experts your stamp questions at bluepaper at gradingmatters.com. You can listen to all of our past podcasts at stampshowheretoday.com, podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And as always, keep collecting. This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about repurse, regums, color varieties, and much more. Get yours for $10 at www.philatelicsecrets.com today. Hi, this is Bob Prager with Gary Posner Incorporated, and we're in Long Island, New York, in New Jersey, and our philosophy of Gary Posner Incorporated is this. We would rather pay very fair prices on 9 out of 10 collections that we look at versus trying to just offer very low prices on 1 out of 2 and making a big score. That's never our philosophy. So if you want to be treated fairly, please give us a call anytime at 800-323-4279. And again, my name is Bob Prager. Send up.